Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today we are talking to Yannick Vays. He is the co-founder of Hype Fury, a marketing automation platform for Twitter accounts. Yannick shares a growth strategy and how you can implement this if you are a SaaS or service company. Together, we cover how you can go about building your audience on Twitter and which parts of the process you can automate. He also explains some common mistakes that people make with their accounts and how to do more interesting creatives. In any case, enjoy the discussion. All right, Yannick, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome, man. It's a pleasure being here. Yeah, we almost didn't make it because of some scheduling issues on my part. But yeah, I really appreciate you jumping on anyway. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm excited. Great stuff. I'll jump right into it. First question out of the gate. What inspired you to create Hype Fury? So originally, I, I wasn't the founder of uh, Hype Fury. Sammy, he created it. And basically what he said, I asked literally in a tweet a couple of years back, he said, is there a tool that lets you schedule threads? And back then, there wasn't any. So he got a bunch of replies. People said no. And back then, he wasn't like a lot of like mentoring groups. He was into fitness. So he wanted to start like his own fitness coaching program. And all those people were, were also on Twitter. And so he thought, well, I'm just going to build this thing. People want it. I've asked around. So he built an MVP in, I don't know, like a couple of days, maybe a week or a couple of weeks. Can't remember exactly how much, but he didn't spend a lot of time on it. Once he, he got the MVP out, he just shared it in his groups and they all loved it. So then he started a closed beta. Uh, got, I think, 100 people in there. And from there, it just yeah, grew. And and how we met is actually he posted something on Indie Hacker saying, hey, I'm a developer. I know nothing about marketing. I need a marketing co-founder who's up for the task. And I responded to that. We connected. I sent him a message. I flew to Paris. I spent a weekend with him. We had fun. Yeah, after that, I did like a, a two-month like marketing internship. And yeah, we ended up becoming business partners. Very cool. It's really encouraging to know that on indie hackers, people really do partner up. I wasn't sure if that was a real thing, whether they actually found business partners on the platform, but I guess this is proof. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was actually out of a, another startup, I don't know, like six months before. And I was on indie hackers, to, you know, like maybe once a week or a couple times a month to check in that particular channel on Inhex to see, hey, who's looking for co-founders? Who's a deaf guy? We're looking for a marketing person and, you know, stumbled upon his post. And yeah. Curious. From that point of view, why join someone's existing startup versus continue building your own product? It's a per personal thing. So I am not really good at starting things from scratch. So I just knew that it would be better for me and for the business to jump in something that has a little bit of traction. So it's really, it's really personal. Some people are, they always start new things. I, I always start new things as well, but they didn't get a lot of traction. So I decided, well, I'm not going to start new things anymore. I'm just going to hop on something that has a little bit of traction and grow that. And, and I've, I've been able to do that with this business, but with other businesses before that. So, Yeah, it sounds like a really smart strategy. It's actually something that's come up a lot recently. In another interview, I interviewed a, a gentleman called Brian Culp, and he made the distinction that there are starters and growers. And a lot of people get into startup thinking they have to build a product by themselves when they're actually very well suited to growing an existing product. 
and vice versa. Some people are great at starting, not good at growing. So I guess this is evidence of that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's just, I guess, personal preference, whether you're a starter or a grower. I do both, but I've just seen that the things I've started, they haven't really become successful besides like a couple of things. But during my tenure, I've been like a freelance online marketing consultant for like forever before this. And part of my, with part of my revenue, I bought like, other websites, other projects, and I grew them. And, you know, that gave me so much like passive income. I, I didn't even have to work because of all, all the, you know, I had like a hundred websites uh, just uh, churning away impressions and generating That's revenue. That's the dream. That's the yeah. dream. Yeah. So I, I knew I, I was better suited at doing something like that then. And it also, it's, I guess it's something I, I didn't have my back against the wall anymore. When I don't know when that was, but like 10, 15 years ago, I had my, my second job, got fired from my first job, my second job, then I didn't get paid a lot. All those people in the business was an online marketing agency. They all had side projects. So I didn't have a lot of money. I thought I, I have nothing to lose. I'm going to start the side projects as well. And back then I just also had like more determination to get it from literally zero to something and right now is for me it's easier also because i've got a bit more experience so it's also more interesting financially to just start something well not not start something but help something grow instead of starting something from zero yeah makes a lot of sense Fantastic. Cool. So when it comes to Twitter, this is obviously something you guys know a lot about. What is it good for and what is it not good for? So what should people really expect from their Twitter campaigns? Yeah, good question. So it depends a little bit on what what type of person or business you are. But, you know, you see a lot of businesses just send, you know, and I always talk about the brand bank. You have money coming out and money going in and money going out and how you can fill your brand bag is by sharing knowledge and not by doing push marketing as in hey we just launched this it's incredible watch it doing ads and stuff like that and so on twitter why are people on twitter one they just want to have a good time so they want to just consume interesting things and they want to learn and so if you're anywhere between those two like niches you could say then you're in a good spot. So don't just advertise your stuff, really teach people things and that lead back to your product. That I think is the sweet spot of of Twitter. Got it. And when you're teaching people things, is it best to try and keep all the content on the platform or is there room to try and get traffic to a website, for example? Definitely, definitely. You know, you can see that like standalone tweets with a link, they perform worse than, for instance, threads with links they they tend to perform a bit better so yeah i don't know if that's like the algo or you know literally if you have a tweet with a link you know people will click it but in a sense that'll also lower the engagement because you'll get less likes and retweets because people have gone off platform enjoying the content there so but you can just see that if you create threads that also include like links i've, I've had threads about seo go go viral that included i don't know like maybe a dozen or so links to YouTube that they, that they still perform really well. In general, you know, you, you'll probably, you're probably better off to not do that or only add like a link to the last tweet in the thread, you know, Hey, want to know more sign up or check, check my notion doc here. So you can copy my strategies. Those things tend, tend to work even better. Yeah. Fantastic. Just curious, bit of a side note, but do you, 
feel that that's happening across all social platforms and that there's more and more they want you to stay on the platform and create there rather than try to send traffic off. Yeah. 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 That's, that's across all, all channels. You know, you've seen it on TikTok where they narrow what type of URLs you can, you can input on your profile. You see it on LinkedIn, you see it on, you know, you can't even do it. Insta is a bit of the same as, as, as TikTok, but you see it across across all, all uh, social media channels. Yeah. How do you put those two together with then when people want to get signups on their site or for their products, but all the platforms are really pushing people to keep content on the platform? Is the idea then basically to a large extent, forget your website except for the final call to action? Or how does that balance? Yeah, so we're in a good spot because like on Twitter, you can actually see that people scheduled their post or create their post with hype fury so if you click on the tweet you'll actually see that you'll see our brand name and so by just having that we've seen that people sign up to our tool so a lot of like our customers have gone viral with their content they haven't even like mentioned us but because like we're the, the brand name like inside a tweet you can click it but it'll go to twitter saying hey this is like an external server so there's no there's no direct link to hype fury but people associate like the success that thread had with our brand and they'll start searching for us and so we'll see spikes in search impressions because of viral tweets from other people that haven't even mentioned us so i think yeah it's people who want to find you who want to know more about you they'll find you even if you don't advertise a link or whatever. You know, it's, of course, it'll work better if you do, but I wouldn't even focus on that. You know, I've seen so many signups go through just because of somebody else's viral uh, thread and and not advertising specifically for our brand. Yeah, very cool, very cool. So for a brand that is looking to build their profile on Twitter and they're putting together this campaign, what is something they need to have in place before they begin? So... We talked a little bit before the show. If you look at like a B2B video service, and I think that's it's probably for all for all B2B brands, show what you're doing, build in public. And so I can't remember his name, but there was this guy who constantly recorded interesting videos, shared it on Twitter, and you know, he just showed, hey, this is how I record this is how i do the lighting this is how we do this and then the you know I, I i don't know a lot about that but it piqued my interest i thought hey this is a cool guy he knows his stuff i wanna if if i'm in need of somebody who's creating videos i, I would co- reach out i would contact that person and so showing what you do will attract people to your brand so i think that's that's the most most powerful thing you can do and yeah when you first start out when you don't have a lot of followers then on Twitter, your your discoverability is very low. On TikTok, it's very high because you don't need followers for your uh, videos to go viral. On Twitter, you do need a bit of following before your yeah tweets can go viral. And so, if you're really starting out, like from scratch, zero followers, your best bet would be also to advertise a little bit and to engage with other people in your niche. And so, find people who have like uh, ten thousand followers at least. Engage with those people. And in return, they'll they'll see you, their audience will see you, they'll start following you. And once you got a little bit of traction, then you can start tweeting on your timeline a little bit more. I actually saw that that is a feature of Hype Fury and that you can narrow down a certain number of accounts to really focus on those so it's easier to engage with those people. 
how do you find the balance between engagement and production of content? So for a smaller account versus a medium-sized account, how would that be different? Yeah, I would say if you're like below 500 followers, I would tweet only like once or twice a day in your own timeline and spend like at least 30 minutes a day engaging with others. And yeah, you know, it depends on how much time you want to spend on it and how important you want Twitter to be in your marketing mix. But yeah, you could go all out and just engage hours at a time. But yeah, it's really important that you'll see if you don't have a lot of following, you won't get a lot of engagement. So your organic growth will be low. So you need to like, you know, leech, quote unquote, the audience of other people. And once you start growing 500 followers, 1000 followers, then you'll also start to get a bit more engagement and you'll start to also grow organically. So yeah, you need to engage when you're still small. Got it. So sort of unlimited engagement, if you will. The focus is actually probably minimizing the amount that you're publishing and focusing more on the engagement as you get bigger. With bigger accounts, is it right then that you can basically publish, say, three to five posts a day? Or is there any number that people should keep in mind? No. So there are different strategies. I usually tweet between three and five times, but I've also seen people do like 20 times a day. Uh, They have like the... uh, you know, let's let's just um, uh, overwhelm the algo, and and yeah, it's a different strategies. And I think the most important thing is you need to just keep creating high quality content. If you can churn out twenty great posts a day, well, then by all means go ahead. But if your quality diminishes, then I would do it. I would just stick to high quality, a little bit less volume. How should you go about layering in your cell type content into your existing content? Yeah, so. You know how we do it at High Fury is literally you create content you think people will enjoy, will engage with, and once you tweet, get engagement. We'll also, uh, we'll, we'll actually auto comment like your 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 sales plugs. And so, I'm I'm not saying you shouldn't do any sales tweets besides just add those auto plugs, those auto comments. That's a good strategy to just see, okay, what kind of types of tweets do well? I'm going to focus on that. And I'm also going to just put the threshold if people, I don't know, if I get 10 likes or 50 or 100 likes, then I'll just plug something. You could also say, well, from the 50 tweets I post in a week, I'll do 10%, like maybe once or twice, maybe once a day or a couple of times a week, I'll, I'll tweet something. I'll tweet a sales tweet. So it depends. I, I normally don't do a lot of sales tweets. And why not? Because they tend to perform a bit less. How I always look at it is I I create threads where I just tell a story where people use our product and are successful. And that to me is a perfect sales tweet. I'm not literally selling. I'm just telling people, hey, somebody's using our product. They're doing a great job. Want to try it? Yeah, fantastic. Are there certain types of tweet topics that you find do really well and some that people do too often that don't work well at all yeah you see like like there are many different types of of getting engagement so they're like i call them the the wordsmith you know i'm not a native uh, english speaker but so it's a little bit harder for me but like you can literally create great tweets that alone will you know lure people in to like or retweet your tweet so that's a way you can grow I'm usually a bit more in like the, the the teaching style that also works, like being a bit more black and white, a bit more provocative, that can work. And so, yeah, so you, you see like a certain tendency, like a couple of years back, these types of tweets did well. Now other, other tweets perform well, but like in general, like category wise, there's not really something that 
performs worse or better. It's more like, is the idea of the tweet, is that something new? Is that something authentic? And and if if it ticks those boxes, then your tweet will do well, no matter what, what category it's in. Yeah, a bit of a fun question and not to put you on the spot. Did you have any favorite tweets of all time that you saw them and you thought, wow, that was really smart? You know, well, if you look at Naval's timeline, that's just... Yeah, he does. He does some crazy things. His uh, his his get rich thread is is really fantastic. I've seen Jack Butcher post some really wild tweets. He's, like he usually like ten words or less, but like they hit you, and he's got just such a mind for you know creating great great content. I I don't know any of uh, out of the top of my head, but if you go go to their profiles, you'll definitely find some gems there. Very cool. I'll make sure to put them in the show notes as well. So as I understand it, the engagement is a very large part of, of growing your account as is posting content. And you will change the amount of content that you do as your account grows bigger. And you may employ some advertising to get a bit of followers in the beginning there. How can you apply automation to some of these processes? Yeah. So what we've been doing like the last couple of months, we've been launching freebies. So for example, at the beginning of the year, we made a 2022 Twitter trends book. And so we asked a bunch of industry experts, hey, what do you think? Where do you think Twitter is going? What's important? What's not? We packaged that in a, you know, PDF. And I literally created a, you know, a bit of a baited tweet saying, hey, we created this trend book. It contains this is that I decided to give it away for free. The only thing you need to do is comment on this tweet with, I don't know, trends, and I'll, I'll DM you the link. And so what happens is a lot of people comment with trends, and everybody who comments with that word actually receives a DM automatically from me. So I'll, send, I'll say, hey, uh, Benjamin, thanks for commenting. Here's the link to the download. Have fun and let me know if you've downloaded and what you, what you thought of it. And so that's automated. I set it and forget it. And once people download the ebook, we just made a loop that you'll be added to our email list and it's, it's like a lead gathering thing. So, and then you'll get an onboarding email sequence. So it's, it's like fully automated and those type of tweets tend to perform well because a lot of people reply to them. So, you know, each of those tweets got me, I don't know, anywhere between 200 and 500 followers for that single tweet. Then you also land in a lot of people's DM boxes. And I, you know, I, I can't prove this, but I have a feeling that if you're in somebody's DM box, the algo will also prefer to show your tweet on their timeline again. So I think that helps. And there's like a built-in anti-spam trigger for Twitter. So you can only send like a thousand DMs a day. But if people reply to you, that's like, it'll it'll reset the limit again. So that's why I asked in the DMs, hey, let me know if you download it or something, something small. So people reply. So the algo will know, okay, this is an unsolicited DM. People wanted this, they reply. And that way I can send even more DMs. You know, you could call it emails per day. Yeah, fantastic. Are you exploring any methods where you can take your follower base and try and send an automated DM campaign out that way as if it were a newsletter or that has been tested? Yeah, we're, we're a bit careful with that. You could do it, but you'll probably, you'll probably get into trouble someday. And that's that's because you know Twitter is pretty pretty specific about what's what spam and whatnot, and basically they say you know people have to know they've opted into something, and so if you just send a you know unsolicited DM, 
that could, you know, doing that once probably won't do a lot. But if you do it like multiple times, you'll probably get banned or probably will have your DM rights taken away. And so the, the way we approach it is we've now implemented like some sort of a campaign mode in Hype Fury. So if you responded to my trends book, I could say, okay, Benjamin has got the tag Twitter trends. And everybody who's gotten that Twitter trends book in one one time, I'm going to send them a DM again because, well, they wanted it back then. I could say, well, the, the, the 2023 trends book is coming up. Would you like it? And so that's a different different approach and not as spammy as just sending a like, you know, follower-wide DM. That's how we, we would approach it. Yeah, fantastic. Speaking of accidentally spamming are there any common mistakes that you see people making with their twitter accounts that are really hurting them there are many ways to do it uh, unfortunately i think unfortunately twitter isn't that hard on people who abuse the rules so there are a lot of people who spend money to get boosted as in receive retweets from other uh, bigger accounts uh, but that's a way you can get banned so if you pu- push that too far you can get banned. If you send a lot of unsolicited DMs, you will get banned. Yeah, other than that, you know, there are still many, many, many ways you can trick the system. I don't want to (laughs) be like encouraging by encouraging uh, a lot of people. But in general, it's, you know, unless you're a bot account, trolling, stuff like that, it's it's not, not that easy to get banned. Very fair. In terms of measuring your results on your growth of your account? What numbers should you be looking at? Yeah, so an important th- metric is how many profile v- visits do you get? Uh, so you can, can get that on a per-tweet basis. Uh, so you have, you'll have a lot of tweets that perform well, get a lot of engagement, but won't get you a lot of profile visits. And if you want to grow your account, you need profile visits. So analyze your tweets, look at what tweets perform well, but also got me a lot of profile visits. And then you need the profile visits to follow conversion. And so, yeah, you can have anywhere from a couple percent to 10, 20% conversion rate to, to following from, from profile visits. So, yeah, th- those are, I think, the most important metrics. It's a bit harder to look at, like, engagement metrics because tweets that have gone viral, have gone viral, they tend to have overall, like, a lower engagement rate because the algo will just open up the doors for like for for more impressions and so you'll just see that you, the total impression the engagement rate will go down but you'll just have a a ton of impressions so i tend not to look at it a lot i'm more interested in, in profile visits yeah fantastic second last question just before we go in terms of trends that you're seeing in the space before we mentioned potentially the push for social platforms to keep all the content on platform and reduce the amount of people linking out. Did you see any other trends generally happening for Twitter? Yeah, I still think like visual content is very much underserved on Twitter, but on many social platforms, you know, uh, besides like Instagram, that's that's all, all visual and TikTok, of course, but like on LinkedIn, on Twitter, I think there's still room, a lot of room, to position yourself with images or video or something other than text. You know, it's just memes. You, you'd be surprised how much traction some, some memes get. You know, there are, I've seen one person, Dagobert, he uses 
all uh, like memes almost exclusively to grow his brand. He's just he's known for for creating interesting memes. They they usually go viral. He creates video memes and just image memes. They really perform well. But you can also, you know, literally look at I don't know if you've read like a, a marketing book or something. You could say, okay, I've read this concept. How can I visualize that? And so I've literally I've hired many people on Upwork with that same question say okay i've got this would you please visualize this and i've tested many like different formats and you can just tell that visual content is still underserved and performs really well fantastic that's a really interesting idea and i wonder having tested the the people on upwork did you get some really outstanding results and some really um yeah really sad ones yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. It's it's a bit 50-50. So usually what I do is I, I hire three people. I give them, I don't know, like a $100 budget, create as many visuals as you can for that money. I'll give them guidelines. And, you know, I want to create like a specific style to the images, but they'll all, they'll all have their own, you know, style. And I, I've seen I've seen outliers, good and bad. So, yeah, but it's, it's a great way to test. And so for a couple hundred dollars, you just... And you'll you'll be able to establish a little bit of a, of a brand, but you'll also be able to see, okay, does this work or not? And you can just continue with the with the images that perform best. Very cool tactic. For people who want to learn more about you and Hype Fury, where should they go? Yeah, they should go to hypefury.com. You can t- test our uh, software for free, and you can find me on uh, Yannick Weiss. You'll probably put it in uh, the show notes as well. Got a bit of a word name, so Yannick underscore Weiss on uh, on Twitter. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks, Benjamin. Mm-hmm.